Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is our first very special Ms. Marvel after show. And this is an open spoiler discussion, just so you know. So we're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel and all of its open spoilery goodness. If you have not seen Ms. Marvel episode one yet, then may I suggest that you hit the uh, favorites, add this video to your favorites, come back and see it later after you've had a chance to see Ms. Marvel episode one, because that's what we're going to be doing is talking about it full open stuff. And I'll tell you what, just like I watched Ms. Marvel after seeing episode four of Obi-Wan, that made me feel a lot better. Doing the Ms. Marvel after show, after having to do the Obi-Wan episode four after show, is also going to make me feel much better because I liked this a whole hell of a lot more than I liked Obi-Wan episode four. And guys, it's great to have you here. Thank you for being here and joining me on this a uh, little bit later than normal video. We don't normally do videos this late unless we're doing like after dark or something like that, but it's great to have you guys here. Thanks for being here. And here's how this little video is going to go. We're going to break it up into two parts. In the first half, I'm going to give you guys all of my thoughts on Ms. Marvel episode one. And then we're going to take the second half and just take all the thoughts you guys have. Now we do have the super chats open right now, but they are almost full already. So I'm going to be turning off Super Chats in just a couple of minutes. So if you have a thought, observation, question, theory about Ms. Marvel Episode 1 or the show in general, go ahead and fire that in now, and I will let you know when I'm about to turn it off. All right, guys. With that all down and said, let's talk a little bit about Ms. Marvel Episode 1. I mentioned on the John Campy show a little bit earlier today that... Um, and by the way, some like dominant media is writing in no Rob. No, it's like seven o'clock at night here. I don't make my employees work that late. So it's just me, uh, burning the midnight oil here. Um, but I, I went into Ms. Marvel hoping for something good. You know, I, I liked the teasers that we had. I liked the trailers that we had. They kind of promised that, that John Hughes kind of feel that I thought was promising a, a delightful, kind of like one of those great classic teen movies that we used to get in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff like that, even in the 80s. And it kind of had that promise. And I was just hoping for something that would be kind of charming, kind of likable. That, that's always, because I'm not even really huge on the Ms. Marvel character in the comic books. That's my wife's character. Like my wife absolutely loves the Ms. Marvel character. So I went in to go watch episode one. And I got to tell you, within about the first 10 or 15 minutes, I was 100% sold. Like 100% sold on this show, on this character. I love her. A good Canadian girl, by the way, Iman Villani, I believe is her name. I absolutely fell in love with her. I love her mother. I love her father. I love her brother. I love her buddy, Bruno. I, I I love Avengers Con. I love her YouTube channel. By the way, Aaron said on the show a little bit earlier today that she thinks Disney Plus should put up Kamala's YouTube videos because I would totally watch those. Those are really great. As one YouTuber to another, Kamala should totally put up those. Uh, they should put up those Kamala videos. I thought that was great and I was completely hooked on it. I, I, I just... This is the first, and I said this earlier today on the John Campy show, but I'll say it again. This is the first great Marvel thing on Disney Plus they've done since WandaVision. I, I mean, I like Falcon the Winter Soldier, but it wasn't great. I like Loki, but it wasn't great. Um, I liked Moon Knight, but 
it, it wasn't great. I didn't like Hawkeye. I mean, so I have been waiting to like really love and absolutely find fantastic something that was Marvel related on Disney Plus because it's been a year and a half since WandaVision, right? We haven't got it. This is it. This is it. It's completely different tonally from anything else we've seen in the MCU, which is something they they do a lot, but it felt like completely different. Um, and somebody's saying in the live chat, Deb says, I want the Scott Lang podcast. Yeah, me too. Totally want the Scott Lang podcast. Um, and I, I absolutely dug it. And so here's one of the cool things too. I made a comparison earlier between this and Turning Red, the, the animated film that was out earlier this year. Because one of the things I said about Turning Red totally applies here. What is really cool when you see these shows that revolve around characters that have a completely different cultural background than, than what you or I might have. What makes it wonderful is when you see that, yeah, it's a different culture, but that's the same mom. Yeah, it's a different culture, but that's the same spats you have with your siblings. Yeah, it's a different cultural background, but these are the same struggles you have in high school. And to me, at the core of a lot of great stories about multicultural characters and multicultural families is that, yeah, there are differences, but at the end of the day, you realize it's all the same. Like we, we all share those same human experiences. And as I'm watching this show with this, this family who speak differently than I do and use some of the different terminology than I do at the end of the day, it's the same family. And that's why I put on Twitter earlier. I said, Ms. Marvel is the movie you get if John Hughes directed my big fat Greek wedding and kudos to you if you've seen and appreciate my big fat Greek wedding, but that's what this is. It's, it's John Hughes directing my big fat Greek wedding and you got Ms. Marvel just with a Pakistani family instead of, you know, a Greek family or, or an Asian family and turning red or, or an Italian family. If you're John Campia, right? Um, it just does all that. So they, the takes right off. First of all, can we talk about the driving test scene? I was cracking up. I was absolutely cracking up. And the funniest part wasn't even when she drove into the instructor's car. The funniest part is when the mom shows up. This is like the line of the week. Okay. This is the line of the week when the mom shows up and she says, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she says, you set her up to fail. You made her drive on the road with all the other cars. And I'm like, I just, I started dying laughing. I literally had to reach for the remote and pause the show because I was just laughing so hard. You set her up to fail because you made her drive on the road with all the other cars. I just about died. Uh, and then the driving instructor was like so cool, so monotone. Like, what, I suppose you expect her to use a turn signal at every turn? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, so I thought the, the driving instructor was hilarious. Um, just that that whole scene was great. Plus, it, we saw her parents giving a little bit of a hard time at the beginning, right? But then by doing that driving test scene, we as the audience instantly know, like, yeah, they may be a little hard on her, but if anybody messes with their kid, they are in their kid's corner, right? Because you can get some of these shows where the teenager, the parent just doesn't know what to do with the teenager and whatever, whatever, right? And so it could have been that. But by having that driver instructor scene and the parents show up, like they instantly jump to her defense, right? Even if it's irrational, they completely jump to her defense. And by the way, while we're on the, um, while we're on the topic of the parents, can I just say, that I would have loved this episode anyway. But this one scene 
transcended. Rob Rob uses that term a lot, but it made the episode and this show transcend just a quirky little teen comedy, right? To something deeper. Let's talk about that scene where she wants to go to Avengers Con and her parents come in the room with the Hulk costumes. Let's talk about that for a second. First of all, when they come through the door and we already know the parents, the parents do not want to let her go unsupervised. It's not that we don't trust you. It's that we don't trust everybody else, right? Get it. So they've already established they don't want her going alone, but they could see she totally wants to go. And it's in that scene that you see the love they have for their daughter and, and they really do want her to be happy. They don't just want it to be strict parents. They, they do want her to be happy, right? And they want her to have to, to go experience something she really wants to do. And so what they do is they make these costumes and they say, well, we're going to go with you. Because not only did they make these costumes, right? They showed, we not only we're going we're gonna to let you go and I'm going to go with you, but I'm going to participate in this with you. I'm going to do this with you because you're my daughter and I love you. And when the dad comes through the door, all painted green, you know, he didn't want to do that, but he comes through the door, all painted green, looking ridiculous, dressed like the Hulk because their daughter wants to go do something. And if that means I got to do this so I can go with her and make her feel like she's fitting in, even though he was doing completely the opposite, but this is what's in his head, right? And the mom worked so hard on making the little Hulk cut, but big Hulk, little Hulk. Um, the mom worked so hard on making that little Hulk costume. And you just see, like, I'm watching this and I'm, my heart is smiling. Like I'm laughing out loud, right? But I'm also, my heart is smiling. Just seeing these two parents that love their kid, they're strict, but they want to make their kid happy. And they're willing to do, to work, to make some costume for them. And the dad's even willing to embarrass himself a little bit to say, I'll do this with you, right? And the scene was already great. Right there. The scene's already great. And then Kamala does what a teenager will do. The teenager says something stupid. And she says to the dad who just was willing to embarrass himself, who was willing to go through all that work, who was willing to do whatever it took to try to give a special moment to his daughter. And the teenager does what teenagers do, said something stupid and says, you're going to humiliate me or, or something along those lines. Right. And in that moment, I wanted to cry. I, I, I mean, I did. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to lie to you and say I had tears coming out, but I, I seriously, I thought maybe I might cry because when she says that, you could almost see the spear driving through her parents' hearts, right? And the sadness and the hurt on the dad's face. And then the scene is so good because then the, scene, the camera cuts back to Kamala and she realizes what she just said. And her own eyes start filling with tears, realizing that she had just hurt people who love her more than anything else in the world, right? It's a simple, stupid scene of parents talking to their kid about whether they can go to a little convention. But it it put down an emotional anchor in the episode that let us know so much about the dynamic. In one scene, so much about the dynamic and the relationship and the, and the context and the nature of the relationship between this teenage girl and her two parents who are first-generation American, right? And it, it's just, I watched that. It's like not a lot of TV shows 
know how to create those types of moments. Any idiot can write, then the big giant monster comes down and the hero shoots lasers out of its eyes and cuts off. Like any idiot can write that, right? It's not a lot of shows that are able to really deliver scenes like that that make us feel. And I remember I was already on board with the show before that moment happened. But once that moment happened, I'm like, this isn't just a good show. This is going to be a special show. This is going to be a special show. Anyway, so let's move beyond the parents there for a second. Let's talk for a second about the visual style, the stylings of it, the whole thing they did. You know, I said this was a John Hughes movie directed, uh, John Hughes directing my big fat Greek wedding. And somebody wrote in, one of the viewers wrote in on the John Campus show today and said, and mix in a little bit of Scott Pilgrim. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's the formula. It's John Hughes directing my big fat Greek wedding with a little bit of Scott Pilgrim versus the world mixed in. And there you have Ms. Marvel, that whole visual style of like, even the way they did the text messaging and all these visuals of the art and whatever playing along the walls as she's having this discussion, like I'm going to be zombie Captain Marvel. And you see the zombie Captain Marvel art on the wall. Like just, it's these little things that weren't necessary for them to do, but was those little steps of effort to give extra little details and these extra bit of, of uh, environment to just make the whole, every frame feel more immersive and feel more something we could be attached to, right? And so that, I absolutely love the visual stylings. All right, let me talk about the brother for just a second. I thought they were going to give us the stereotypical 80s comedy where the brother and the t- the teenage, the younger teenager, you know, they're, oh, they're butt heads, right? But I love that moment when the older brother comes into her room, says, Look, I got, I'll talk to mom and dad. I'll, I got your back. You're a pain in the ass, but I got your back. And I'll go talk. Like, that was a great moment. And I'm like, I, okay, now I love this guy. I completely love this guy. And by the way, Bruno, the buddy. You know, I do not generally like romantic relationships in my superhero movies. Out of the like 50, 60, 70 superhero movies, there's three or four where there's a romantic relationship that I like. Obviously, Tony and Pepper, uh, Peter and Gwen Stacy in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, uh, Druig and Makari. Uh, totally got that. I am telling you what, I want, <laughs> I want Kamala and Bruno to end up getting together. I completely want that to happen. I'm I'm pretty sure they will do that in the show, but this is the first time that I find myself like actively wanting to see a romantic relationship blossom bud and take form in a show. I don't normally feel that, but I'm feel that for Ms. Marvel. Um, By the way, another little kind of out of left field thing, right? When she's walking through the high school, we got your classic, high school trope, right? Like she's a little bit of an outsider, blah, blah. She's got her weird clique of friends. And then she bumps into clearly what's the popular girl in school, right? So, so we're sitting there watching that. We're expecting, okay, so this is going to be, you know, the queen bitch. This is going to be a terrible, awful bitchy girl, right? But she's not like, she's like Kamala compliments her. She's like, oh, uh, well, um, I, I like your necklace. And she's like, thanks. Like she still feels awkward in it clearly, but then we see her being a little more social towards Kamala as well at the Avengers con later. I'm like, that's pretty cool because again, this could have been a very stereotypical trope of a character, but instead they do that character a little bit differently. I got a feeling this character is going to become a little bit more 
uh, relevant, a little bit more important um, as the episodes roll on. And as we get further into the episodes, I think we're going to find that 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 popular girl who doesn't have 100,000 followers, she has 80,000 followers. I think we're going to find out that she's probably going to become a little bit more relevant as the episode goes on. And then let's just talk for a second and then we'll move on and start taking your live questions that you guys sent in. Uh, talk a little bit about AvengerCon. So she gets to AvengerCon and it looked very low budget. Like I was expecting to see, and maybe I shouldn't have been because it would have been very expensive to do this. I expected to see them like shoot in a San Diego convention center in like a hall H or a big convention floor and for them to have like thousands of extras and make it look, but I guess that would have been really stupid expensive. It felt more like more of an amateur thing that they put on in a school gym. And, but you know what, after I saw that and I just went, okay, that's fine. And then I got, I really got into it. I'm like, this is amazing. You saw all the different cosplay and the costuming and Chris Carr was pointing out earlier today, the the art that was going around there and, and stuff like that. It, it was really, really good. And uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun to see. I enjoyed it and uh, it was great. I, I'm t And you know what? Here's the funny thing. This is a comic book show and there was no villain. Did you notice that there was no villain? There, there wasn't a villain. There was no bad guy. Not the, the high school plastic queen wasn't the bad guy. There was no super villain terrorizing the city yet. Uh, they, there was no bad guy. It was just the charming story of this young girl who's a daydreamer and who through this bracelet, apparently, well, there's a bit of a mystery introduced, but we're going to get into this, that she discovers she has powers. And uh, yeah, by the way, I see Mary asking in the live chat, what did Anne say about the show? Anne loved it. Yeah, so I went home for dinner before I, so I finished the Obi-Wan after show, went home for dinner quick, turned around, came back here to do this one. And, uh, but so I asked Anne quick, I said, so did you finish Ms. Marvel? She goes, it was so good. I'm like, right? It was, and it was so good. So Anne loved it. Yes, thank you for asking. Um, anyway, yeah, show was fantastic. Show, it was everything I wanted it to be. Now look, this show may go off a cliff fast, right? Episode two might suck. Episode three might suck. I mean, who knows? Maybe it will. I, we'll have to wait and see. All I'll know is that the very underlying tone of this show is fantastic. I've already fallen in love with the characters. We haven't even met the bad guy yet. I mean, and we don't know what the what the antagonist of it's going to be. What's going to be the main driving thing here? Obviously, we had that little mid credit scene where we got the cop from Spider-Man No Way Home. So, And they said, yeah, bring her in. So obviously, there's going to be a little bit of something going on there. Uh, but we'll find out as we get there. But uh, I'm just telling you guys, it feels so good after a year and a half since WandaVision to finally be able to say Marvel put out something great on Disney Plus. Because I haven't been able to say that since WandaVision. Have not been able to say that, not with a straight face. And uh, now it's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. And I hope they, they keep it up. All right, guys. So that's my kind of little take on Ms. Marvel and what we've gotten in episode one. We're now going to take the rest of our time and listen to you guys and see what you guys had to say about it. So let's jump on over in right now and see what you guys had to say. We're, we're going to start off here with Nora Drazen, who writes, 
Uh, hey, John and Rob, just me today. Uh, absolutely loved the first episode. I was captivated by the aesthetics of it all. I was curious. Uh, over under 50% that Captain Marvel shows up in the end of this show to set up the Marvels. Um, listen, I, I say it's more like an 85%. As a matter of fact, I might even say it was, um, I I'll say I'll, I will be shocked. I'll be shocked if Captain Marvel doesn't show up. I think Brie Larson shows up by the end of this show, absolutely setting up the Marvel, maybe even Monica Rambo. but I will be shocked at this point. Like, they spent so much time in episode one highlighting Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, and, and her love of Captain Marvel. I think she's got to show up here at some point. So I'm going to say 85% right now. Okay, uh, let's see. Next up, we got CJ Rebirth who writes, Probably my most favorite MCU show so far. I really love the the paper slash visual art style. So did I. Kamala Drive Test had me dying. And Bruno is a great friend to her. Bruno is a great character. You know what Bruno is? Bruno is... If you go to, and it's great that he's they've got an Italian character in there. So bravo, they've got an Italian character. Even referred to his grandmother by the proper word, nonna. They referred to his nonna, um, which is Italian for grandmother. So you know what he is? Uh, think to Shazam. You know, there's the, the main kid, then he's got his kind of best friend. That's what Bruno is in this, but I think he's going to be a little bit of a romantic relationship as well. At least I hope they do. All right. Uh, Danny Sanchez writes, just want to send some love. Great start to the show. Thank you so much for that, Danny. And yes, they are. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be this good all the way through. It might fall off quick. Maybe it will. But so far, they are off to a great start, Danny. All right. Sam Fisher writes, I love this show has the same cringy humor that Turning Red had. Kamala feels like a real girl. Yeah, she does. I feel like I knew that girl in high school. Like I knew that girl in high school. Um, it was great to see. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, and like, she was just so charming and endearing and great. I, I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. All right. Uh, next up, Tim Platt writes, um, not bad, not quite the tone I like personally, but the acting was too good for me not to give the show a fair chance. Hope the action is on par with the acting. And you know what? I'm not surprised to hear you say that, Tim, because one of the things that I said uh, earlier was that because remember I said like this is a John Hughes directing my big crack Greek wedding right okay that won't necessarily be for everybody right like just because I love a John Hughes directing a big fat Greek wedding like but that style isn't going to be for everybody and if that style isn't necessarily for you then I don't think Ms. Marvel is going to work for you necessarily as much as it's going to work for me right so I'm not surprised to hear you say that but yes the acting in it was so on point the performance was so great the characters are just so good uh, I just really hope they lean into that part of it and make it really strong all right next up uh, where are we at here? Sam Fisher writes, I love her family, including her mom, somehow having four meals ready in three seconds. That was great. That is a totally Italian mom thing to do. I'm sure it's a totally Greek mom thing to do. I'm sure it's totally a Chinese mother thing to do. And I'm sure it's totally a Pakistani mother thing to do. I, I thought that was great. And you're right, Sam. I completely love the mom. I think the mom was great. All right. Uh, next up, we have Stephen Wolf writes, Thank goodness for Kevin Feige, who can keep things original and lively. Finally, a show I think my wife will like. Chapex, uh, stay from our MCU. Ray for president. I mean, yeah, look, um, the fact that they, one of the things I really love about the MCU, even when they make some things that I don't love so much, like, 
like Hawkeye or whatever, is that the MCU is always striving to make every project completely unique and feel different, right? Like, like um, Moon Knight. I didn't love Moon Knight, but I liked it. But Moon Knight was very, very different from anything else they had done before. WandaVision was completely different than anything else they had done before. And certainly so far, Ms. Marvel is completely different than anything else they've done before. By the way, one of our director level members, Rampage Predacon, wrote in and says the gloves uh, Bruno made for Kamala were too bad. She left them in the restroom. I know, but that's a little bit of a plot device, right? Those gloves getting left behind, I think that's going to be have some kind of relevance um, as we move on. Um, uh, as we move on to some parts. So yeah, I, I think that's going to, but you're right. It's, it is too bad that they got left behind. Okay. Move. Oops. 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 Sorry. I got, I got, uh, I accidentally, uh, started scrolling through here. Um, where are we, where were we at? Where did I lose my spot? Okay. We were at CJ Rebooth. We did Danny. We did, um, same cringy humor, Tim. We did, Sam Fisher. There we go. Uh, now we just did Steven. Now we're up to Sam Fisher again. All right. Uh, I think we are going to see the brother's wedding because there is a shot in the trailer of Kamala dancing a Bollywood-esque dance as in, uh, in a traditional dress. Yeah, that's very possible. Remember, the brother's wedding is very, very soon. Like they're running errands for it, right? But don't forget, we already saw in the trailer like her wearing the tiara crown and dancing at a dance. Turns out that was in one of her fantasies. So it could be that scene we're talking about is in one of her fantasies, but it would make sense if it ends up being actually at her brother's wedding. All right, next up, we got uh, Danito who writes, only two criticisms. Number one, didn't like how she was not at all sorry when she wrecked the guy's car. <laughs> uh, two, a blonde girl would have turned to catch up from Mjolnir. Oh, well, no, like not necessarily. Obviously, I don't think they made a giant concrete hammer. That was probably a big foam sort of thing that probably still had some weight to it and whatever, but it's not like it was flying at 50 miles an hour when it hit her and everything too. So I'm thinking it's a combination of it's probably lighter weight material. It wasn't moving all that fast. She probably got hurt, but I don't think it would turn her. But yes, I, yes, that she didn't feel bad for hitting his car, but she didn't realize it was his car. But I love the fact that her first line when she backs in the car was, I don't think anybody saw that, which is totally a teenager thing to say. Come on. That is totally a teenager thing to say. I don't think anybody saw that. It's my car. I mean, that that killed me, man. That totally killed me. All right. Next up, James Argento writes, mom calling bracelet junk makes me think she is a villain. Calling it now, there is a Terrigen, there are Terrigen crystals in the bracelet and she will go through Terrigenesis. I do not think they're going to do in humans. I don't think they're going to do that. But I do think, remember the mom already said, mom, this mom is not a villain. Like, it's not like, um, Vera Famia in, uh, for, for Mia in, um, Hawkeye, where you could just, you just knew right away she was going to be a bad guy. I don't think this mother is going to be, but I do think they gave us some hints. The mother said in the car, I come from a family of daydreamers and whatever, right? 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 Also, that box comes from one of her, I think either her grandmother's or one of her great aunts. I can't remember which one exactly. And remember when the mom saw that bracelet, it wasn't just, oh, oh, I don't know what that is. It's just junk. No, no, no. There was a serious kind of tone that came over the mom's face. I have a feeling one of either one of Kamala's Kamala's grandmother or great aunts or something like that. I have a feeling that they used that bracelet before. 
Um, again, I'm not so completely sure and whatever, but but we'll see. Uh, Echnostone is saying, and humans are confirmed in universe. No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, we did have, we did have in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness in another reality. Um, but they never even said he was inhuman in that reality, right? So in our universe, they're, they're, they have not done any uh, inhuman stuff and they're always completely pretending that the um, that terrible uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show wasn't actually real, is not in canon. Uh, by the way, David D is saying in the live chat, could be 10 rings. I'm not going to be shocked if we find out there's a connection between that and the 10 rings. As a matter of fact, I won't be surprised if we find out that it's got a connection to the 10 rings, which I also think might have a connection to Eternals. So th there might this might be all connected. Maybe yes, maybe no. Just a wild theory of mine right now. All right, thanks for writing that in, James. Okay, next up, uh, Sam Fisher writes, um, I can't be the only one who thinks Bruno has a crush on Kamala. Oh, they, I think they make it clear they both like each other romantically. I think they both do, and they're both scared of it. It is adorable. Come on. It's adorable. I want to see this go somewhere. All right. Uh, let's see. Ahmed E writes, the ending of this episode had me mesmerized. Wow. I, I mean, everything about it, Ahmed, I, I just think it was beautifully paced, beautifully done right from the beginning, right to the end. It was just so well done. Even the post credit scene I thought was really well done. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, I love the use of real comic book art in both the credits and in posters in a room. It was brilliantly done. And by the way, they even had a, a real Captain Marvel movie standy poster of Brie Larson in her room as well. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that was in there too. And yes, the, the way they utilize the art and everything has been absolutely great, Sam. Uh, Casey Mack writes, overall, I thought it was pretty good for a pretty good first episode. We'll see if that continues. I do have to wonder who's going to be the villain. Yeah, again, I, I thought it was really neat. They break the mold. They break the trend. They didn't feel the need to give us the villain in the first thing. This was just all about getting to know Kamala. And I really like that. And you're right. They made one great episode. Nothing guarantees that means the second one's going to be great, right? I mean, it may not. It might not. But uh, we'll find out. I'm feeling pretty good about it, though, Casey. All right, Sam Fisher writes, Did you catch all the booths at AvengerCon like Things Hulk Smashed? Nope. I have to go back, watch. I need to go back and watch. I have a feeling all of us should do this. Go back and watch the Avengers con scene again and like literally go frame by frame through it. Cause I have a feeling there's probably like a thousand Easter eggs in there, like a thousand of them in there. Um, and, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what the, how, how that all kind of turns out. Okay. Next up, uh, we've got, uh, Bobby Jackson who writes, Regarding my earlier thought about Vision, there's a dedication poster for Black Widow and Tony Stark, I did see that, as fallen heroes, but nothing for Vision and no Vision cosplay. Feels like he's the forgotten Avenger. Yeah, again, I need to go back through that Avengers con thing frame by frame to see if there's any Vision reference. Because you're right, like, there was even a Drax cosplay. Drax wasn't even in the Avengers. But there was a Drax cosplay. There was like Gamora cosplay. There was all this stuff through there. Now, I don't remember seeing a Vision thing, but like I said, I'm going to have to go through it frame by frame, Bobby, to see if there is one there. Because if there's not, I don't know if that's an oversight or if there's a particular reason for that. It'll be interesting to see either way. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Sam Fisher who writes, the popular girl Zoe, Zoe's Ms. Marvel costume was actually Carol's Ms. Marvel costume. Also, that giant Mjolnir realistically should have killed her. Again, it all depends on what it is, right? If it's just kind of a dense foam, 
then no. And I'm sure they wouldn't have been hanging like a 3,000 pound hammer from the ceiling. Again, I, I it's not a thing that bothered me because there could have been a hundred different explanations for it. So I'm not worried about it. But yes, good observation on the costume there, Sam. All right, next up. Purple Queen writes, uh, Ms. Marvel is very colorful and bright. Never seen anything like it. My favorite parts were her driving scene in Scott Lang's podcast. The Scott Lang podcast thing was pretty funny. Uh, the driving scene was absolutely hilarious. But all the stuff with the family, I think when it comes down to it, my favorite stuff um, is the stuff that had to do with family dynamics. Whenever she was talking to her parents, whether it was just kind of light, fun sort of stuff, or whether it was heavier stuff or when she was hurting their feelings like or whether they were there at a driving test i think it's all the or whether she's talking to her brother i think at the heart of it the thing that i love the most about it was the family dynamic stuff that's just the stuff that really stood out to me purple queen all right next up sam fisher writes um i still think that her bengal is related to the to the oh you're talking about the thing related to the shang chi's 10 rings maybe they're from the same system or some species but not the same power source again I, what i mentioned earlier i'll mention again here today or i mentioned again i i think there is like a solid 15 16 17 chance that the devices near the end of the eternals the 10 rings and this bengal is that what you call them? I was call them a bracelet, but let's call it what you called it, a bangle. I think there's a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20% chance that all three of those are connected. I have nothing solid to back that up with. I'm just, that's just a theory of mine, but we'll see if that turns out to be true or not. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, Jared is saying uh, in the live chat that there was a Vision cosplayer in the Ms. Marvel daydream of the Avengers Con. Okay, well, that counts as something, too. Thanks for letting me know about that, Jared. Uh, let's see. Casey Mack writes, I think Kamala's mom knows something about the bracelet. I agree. Uh, whether that makes her a villain, who knows? Uh, but she was acting very suspect when Kamala pulled it out of the box. Again, we heard Kamala's mom complaining earlier in the episode that it's my fault. I come from a family of daydreamers and, and fantasy and whatever. And then she sees the bracelet, and I cannot help but wonder... If one of her relatives had a connection to that bracelet and it gave them power or maybe it drove them a little bit crazy, I don't know. We'll see how that all goes. But I'm with you on that, Casey. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, any theories on how and why Carol Danvers shows up? Does the show, does she show up to reclaim the Bengal? Uh, do they just meet up by coincidence? Oh, who knows? Like, like what if Carol Danvers shows up? And that is an if. I think she will, but it's still an if. If Carol Danvers shows up, It'll be in response to whatever the challenge of the show is going to be. Right? Again, we haven't met the bad guy yet. We don't know if it's going to be man versus man, man versus nature, whatever. But uh, it's, I'm sure it'll be in response to that. What that's going to be, no idea yet. All right. Uh, Vivek uh, Kershan Ashok Kumar writes, a minor moment that resonated with me was when Kamala's mom offered a neighborhood worth a neighborhood worth of food to Brock. That is my childhood experience. Absolutely. It was for me too. Like the friend was over, you send them home with food, especially in an Italian house. But obviously not just Italian. Like that's what I said earlier, right? You can have all the different cultures. At the end of the day, with all the little cultural differences that are on the surface, underneath it, we are all the same. We all have the same human experience, and I love that. Thanks for writing that in, Vivek. Uh, next up, 
Sam Fisher writes, I like the way they changed her powers. I really like uh, that the Bengals seems to be a family heirloom and the mom definitely knows something. 100% the mom knows something. And for those comic Puritans are like, how come she doesn't stretch? They gave a little thing of that, right? So let's see what her actual power set is going to be here. All right, next up, Andreas Ramirez writes, I love how the show became very meta with Kamala in and her YouTube channel. I can't wait for uh, the two-part series on why Thor is secretly a gamer, which of course we, as the audience of the MCU, we know that Thor is a gamer, right? Because uh, we already saw him and his battle against his nemesis, Noob Master. So we know that. But yeah, listen, Aaron said on the John Campy show earlier today that Disney Plus should make those Kamala Khan YouTube videos and put them out for us to see Kamala Khan's YouTube videos. I want to see the whole 10-part series. All right. Thanks for adding that in, Andreas. Uh, next up, uh, Moda Awesome writes, I had low expectations after the trailers. I was very surprised at how much I love this show. I'm a Muslim and found the family so beautifully portrayed and relatable. I cannot wait for episode two. Again, listen, I am not Muslim. I'm Italian. And yet I found the family incredibly relatable uh, on those levels too. I, I just thought, I thought, I agreed. They were completely beautifully portrayed. I, find, I found their human dynamic to be very relatable, even though it expressed itself a little bit differently because of the cultural differences. But I just, my, like I said, Moda Awesome, I think my favorite parts of the show were just the family dynamics. All right, Sam Fisher writes, will Monica Rambo show up too? My guess is... Carol Danvers, 85%. Monica Rambo, 30%. Remember, Monica Rambo and Carol Danvers still have beef. We don't know what the real nature of that is. And I think that's got to be resolved before we see them on screen together again. Or at least maybe not until we get to the Marvels. All right, Reggie Phoenix writes, it makes sense that we see Stewie from Succession, uh, No Way Home, and Ms. Marvel shot at the same time. I love the interconnectivity. And yeah, it's, so once again, in our post credit scene, and it took me a minute to realize who it was. I'm like, why does he, you know what it was that made me realize? It's like, oh yeah, he looks like Jake Johnson. Oh yeah, the other guy who looked like Jake Johnson. They're the same guy. So yeah, it, it's really kind of neat that they're connecting that there. Or just giving us a little bit more world building. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean, Reggie? All right. Sam Fisher writes, generation for why. I know I like that. Uh, Daryl Best Wadley writes, uh, this show gave me turning red vibes. I've made several references to that. Uh, and it kind of took me out of it. Uh, not saying it was bad. I just felt like I know where the story is going. Well, I mean, it gave me some turning red vibes too, but these are totally different stories. Like when you say you know where it's going, is Kamala going to go into the ancestral plane and speak to her ancient Chinese family that's going to help her become a red panda, hold on to her red panda powers permanently? I mean, is she going to go to the Toronto Sky Dome and break in on a boy band concert? I mean, I'm not quite sure what you mean by you know where it's going, but listen, she's going to end up the hero. That much we know for sure, Daryl. But yeah, I, but I do agree with you. It gave me a little bit of turning red vibes, but for me, that's a positive thing. I, I thought that was a good thing. All right. Wookie Kegs just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Wookie. Uh, Andres Ramirez writes, can't take Ant-Man serious anymore. I saw his podcast Easter egg and all I thought was the termite from the boys. I know. I know. By the way, did you guys see the video reaction of Aaron Cummings watching the termite scene from the boys that I put up earlier today? I'm going to tell you what, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Let's keep going here. Uh, thanks for that, Andres. Attack of the Moshi writes, Kamala is super endearing. Great start to the show. Absolutely. Listen, if you can get us invested in the character, 
then you've accomplished 90% of the battle, man. Uh, Daryl Best Wadley writes, can't wait to see her reaction when she meets Captain Marvel. I know, right? Like, I, all I want now is to see her reaction meeting Captain Marvel. And, 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 you know, I had somebody say to me earlier today, they brought the Shazam examples. You know, if she meets Captain Marvel, that's just kind of like what they did in Shazam when Superman shows up at the end. I'm like, yeah, and what's wrong with that? I think that would be awesome to see her meet Captain Marvel would be great. Anyway, uh, also, every time someone mentions Bruno, I feel like we shouldn't be talking about him. I know that's the, I'm going to admit that's the first thought that went through my head, too, is we don't talk about Bruno. I was you're not you weren't alone in that, Daryl. You totally weren't alone in that. All right. Suthius writes, do we think the mom has powers of her own? I don't think so. Hence why she was quick to put together the go to bag for Bruno. Ooh, wait a minute. Could be another turning red parallel. I just took it as a great gag about, you know, first generation moms, like many of us have, like just always having food ready to go. I just took that as a joke. Could that have been a little hint that like turning red, power runs through her family? That's, you know what? I, I'm not saying that's true, but that's a really interesting thought, Suthius. That is a really interesting thought. All right. Uh, Sebastian Gomez writes, I loved this episode so much. Such a wonderful visual style, cinematography, editing, etc. We'll definitely be watching Ms. Marvel before Kenobi next week. You know what? I was, uh, Rob and I were talking after we did the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, after show earlier, and I think it was Jonathan, producer Jonathan, chimed in and said, so next week are you going to watch Obi-Wan first or are you going to watch Ms. Marvel first? And I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I'm going to watch Ms. Marvel first. I think Ms. Marvel, I mean, I'm going to watch them both, but I think Ms. Marvel is going to be the first one that I rush to watch. I, I, If you told me that a few weeks ago, I would have thought you were crazy, man. I would have thought you were totally crazy. All right. Uh, let's see here. That was Sebastian. Yes, that was Sebastian. Okay. Next up, we got Harv's K and Harv's K writes, uh, this show just pops with such vibrant energy and fun dialogue. That is a great way to put it, Harv's, uh, that just about none of the other Disney plus shows have exhibited so far. Delightful. I agree. I love the way it pops with vibrant energy and fun dialogue. I mean, look, the dialogue is often one of the stronger parts of the Marvel shows. Even a show I didn't like, like Hawkeye, even that had some good dialogue. Like the parts that Hawkeye that worked for me is usually just the dialogue exchanges, right? But it was particularly strong here. Like I said earlier, Harves, to me, this is the first great thing that Marvel has put on Disney Plus since WandaVision. There, there have been other good things, for sure. But this is the first great thing um, that that Marvel has put on Disney Plus since WandaVision. All right, thanks for that, Harps K. Next up, Mista47 writes, Hulk did more in this episode than he's done in the past four years. Uh, Iman is perfectly cast, and the Scott Pilgrim influences here are immaculate. I, again, I agree. One of our viewers, maybe it was even you, Mr. 47, wrote in about the uh, the comparison with uh, 
or the uh, yeah yeah the the parallels with some Scott Pilgrim stylistically. It's absolutely there. And yes, Hulk got more love in this episode than he's gotten in the last four years in the MCU. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, oh, I told you guys saying that you love me. I love you guys too. Thank you in the live chat. Um, Dale Beswali writes, damn, I want to go to Avenger con so bad. Hey, listen, I don't know if it was on air or not. I can't remember if we were live on air or if we were off air, but me and Aaron and Chris start talking about that. They should do an Avengers con. And I said, nah, they won't do that because they got D 23. But then I had to stop myself and go, well, wait a minute. They have D 23, but they're still a star Wars celebration. Why couldn't you do? an Avengers con. I don't know, man. I'll go. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, all right. Next up. A-Rod 2006 writes, uh, where'd we go? There it is. Uh, Iman Vellani is simply perfect as Kamala Khan. Her family dynamic and friendship with Bruno was so appealing. Reminded me of why I love Shazam. You know, I'm going to use a word that I don't often use. It was wholesome. It was wholesome. That beautiful relationship she clearly loves him, right? And he, her, but they, they, but they're friends. And there's there's something, again, I, I hardly, when's the last time you heard me use the word wholesome? There's something beautifully wholesome about that that relation that I just absolutely love, A-Rod. All right, uh, next up, Gonzo writes, uh, poopy trailers, past the first episode, hashtag James Cameron. No idea what we're talking about there, Gonzo. Uh, the world that the word that rhymes with orange. Am I the only one that got Janet and Ger uh, Gerald vibes from the Kamala and Bruno? To me, Bruno almost sounds like Gerald from Kim's. Um, if so, by Kim's, what he's referring to is Kim's convenience. I don't think so, because Gerald was always meant as a platonic, strictly platonic thing, right? There was that one season where they tried to force in a romantic relationship between them, and then the showrunners realized this isn't working at all, and they abandoned it. But yeah, so that's why to me, I don't I don't personally get the Janet and Gerald thing. It's hard for me to come up with what the uh, an actual example would be. I'm not really sure, but I, I think... I think they end up together. At least I hope I do. And I've never said that before about romantic relationships. All right. Uh, let's see here. Where are we at? We're at Dropkick Aggie, who writes, love this show style. Feels different than anything else in the MCU. Glad they're willing to loosen up the creative reins for this story. Yeah. Listen, th because this is something, this is a type of comic book movie you really couldn't have made 10 years ago, right? Like you're, they were just establishing the MCU and the comic book dominance and all that kind of stuff. So you've got to have Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and people kicking ass and blah, blah, blah. But now that the genre's matured a lot more, now you can have these other things that feel like big breaths of fresh air. And I'm, I'm with you on that, Dropkick Aggie. I just love the, the style approach they're taking with it. Uh, Josh Becker writes, love the music additions of the show. So cool. I agree. Right from the opening song, which they played in the trailer before, obviously, and the different music hits they had throughout it. Absolutely agree with you, Josh. I thought that part really worked as well. All right. Empire Fan 1980 writes, her family reminds me a lot like my Italian family. Me too, dude. Um, always have to feed you if you go into their house. Yep. You come into an Italian's house, man, you're, you know, your friends and stuff like that, you're going to get fed. You're going to get told you look too skinny. And then you're going to have your face stuffed. 
I mean, that's just what it is. That's just the way it happens. Okay, guys. Hey, listen, we're going to take just a break here for a moment. We're going to come back and finish off all of these things, but we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video here today, our friend Ryan Reynolds, the good folks over at Mint Mobile. Check this out. Guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. You know the one with the delightful ads with good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds? So look, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, is that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just $15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, that's no joke because for years I've been using one of the major providers and it was fine. But I switched over to Mint Mobile a little while ago. The service has been fantastic. And the big difference is I'm now paying about one third of what I was paying before. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to Mint Mobile for sponsoring the videos here on the John Campia YouTube channel. Okay, guys, with that down, let's keep on going here and get to the rest of your questions, shall we? We're going to pick things up here with Roland John Dolente, who writes, Hello, John Campia. Is it possible that the Ten Rings bracelets have a connection to the Kamala Khan bracelet? And I always watch you on my other account, Bring on the Filthy. Well, like I've said that a couple of times, right? Is that I not only do I think there may be, maybe, Maybe. Not only do I think there may be a connection to the Ten Rings, I think there might be a larger connection to also the bracelets and the rings that we had at the end of Eternals. I think there could be a connection to all of them there. Again, I'm going to give it a 15 to 20% chance. So, so I'm not saying likely, but I'm going to say there's a legitimate chance there. We'll, we'll see what they do with that. All right, John K. writes, first episode of a Disney Plus show in a while that has made me feel like I absolutely cannot wait for the next episode. And there wasn't even really a cliffhanger. I agree. It's It's been a while. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were episodes of Loki that I really liked. There were episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I really liked. There were episodes of Moon Knight that I really liked. But I, I agree with you. I cannot remember a time since WandaVision that I finished watching an episode and like, okay, okay, how many days until the next episode comes out? I need it. I need it. I need it. Like, I, it's been a while since I felt that way about an MCU show on Disney+, Plus, but that's exactly how I felt about this. All right. Uh, Brandon Neza Mudeen writes, after just the first episode, I am 100% convinced Brie Larson is going to pop up at some point in this show. Absolutely adored the first episode. And again, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I will be very surprised if she doesn't. I, I think they're making it pretty clear she probably will, and I'm going to be shocked if she doesn't. I'm not willing to say 100%, but I'll be surprised if she doesn't. All right, Empire Fan 1980 writes, The actor who played her best friend took familiar looks familiar, uh, couldn't figure out why till I watched the, the normies reaction video. He plays Henry on the walking dead. Wait a minute. That's not that wait, Henry, you're, that's not like, 
what's the main character's name in Walking Dead? The 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 main sheriff. What guys in the live chat? Help me out. I can't. Remember. It's been a while since I've watched it. Um, uh, not not Clark, not Greg, not uh, Buck. It's a one syllable word name. What is the name of the main guy? Come on, guys in the live chat. Help me out. What's the name of the main guy in Walking Dead? Uh, I'm waiting for it. Nobody's putting it in yet here. I mean, Grimes. What's his first name? Um, Rick. Rick. That's it. Rick. I remember the way Negan used to say that. Come on, Rick. But okay, so is Henry? Is that Rick's son? Is is Henry Rick's son? Again, remember, I'm not a huge Walking Dead fan. I ditched on it a few years ago. Oh, you're right. That was Coral. Enzo put in that that the kids near yeah. So I don't know who Henry is. So I don't remember Henry from the show. So that, that's just on me because I didn't really follow the show too closely. All right. Uh, A-Rod 2006 writes, I wonder if the detective from No Way Home showing up might mean Kamala will need a lawyer. Hmm. Well, again, I like the way he just says, okay, bring her in. Like, I have a feeling he's not an antagonist. I don't think he's going to be the enemy here. But I think it's just going to be a kind of a, we need to get you registered. We need to know who you are, which is a little bit kind of a foreshadowing maybe of a real civil war thing coming up. I mean, I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of a role uh, they put that together. Coral. Um, all right. So that was a rod next up. Tucker Voyles writes, I thought the show had a really great energy and it felt like just a regular family in the MCU, which I feel we don't get a ton of. I mean, again, you have all these cultural differences that are very obvious on the surface. But once you get past that, you realize we all have the same human experiences, the same moms, the same curfews, the same high school problems. It's, it's all the same underneath a different veneer, a different thing that a slightly different experience that the cultural gives us. But and that's one of the most beautiful things about it. And I love that. All right. John K writes, I hope they don't try to force a romance plot between Kamala and Bruno. I like their friendship a lot, but really, I hope it remains platonic. But see, here's the difference between, like, say, Shang-Chi and Kate, right? Like, Shang-Chi and Kate, I always thought, I don't force a relationship between them. Because it was clear right from the beginning, their relationship was purely platonic, right? That was clear right from the beginning. And so they were friends and that's it. And I kind of felt don't give in the temptation of just making it a romantic relationship because it needs to be a romantic relationship. With this, this is different. They already gave us clear signs in the first episode that Kamala has, really has feelings for him. And I think they show that he has them for her too. So if they do end up being in kind of a relationship, and I hope they do, but if they do, it's not forced at all. Like it would have been with Kate and Shang-Chi because they, it, they totally showed that that was a strictly buddies, strictly friends. This they've already shown us. It's a little bit deeper than that. And so I, I, I hope they do it, man. I personally hope they do it, John K. All right. Shelby writes. I am so in love with this show and it's annoying that it's already being review bombed. Oh, I mean, look, yeah, but you knew that was going to happen, right? Like you, you've got the insecure little babies out there who like, oh no, it's not a white straight male lead. <laughs> you know, those people were going to be there, right? And they're going to, they're going to mobilize their little minions to go and review bomb things. So, you know, they're just, who gives a fuck about them? Don't worry about them at all. Uh, next up, uh, Glenn Mark writes, you set her up to fail, having her drive in the street with all those other cars. Again, to me, that is the line. <laughs> That's the line of the week. 
You set her up to fail by having her drive in the street with all those other cars. I just, what a mom thing to say. What an absolute mom thing to say. I love that. All right. Uh, next up, Abraham Ruiz writes, um, as a huge, as a huge, the weekend fan, the show opening up with Marvel banner and blinding lights playing, got me hooked. Yeah. I mean, again, they played that with, um, they played that with, uh, the trailer for it. Right. And it's perfect for it. There's just something about the cadence of the song and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just a perfect song choice to open the show with. I just thought it was a really good choice for it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Suthius writes, where exactly, uh, was the trance? Where exactly was she transported to when she put on the bracelets? Seemed to be a lot of beings in indigenous clothing and a spear or two. I'm not really sure. I'm going to need to go back. Um, and watch that scene again. It was, I mean, obviously it wasn't this, but it almost felt like she went into the upside down for a little Stranger Things reference. It almost felt like she went into like their version of the upside down or or was that like the the uh, Wakandan ancestral plane? I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I've only watched the episode once. I'm going to need to go back and watch it again and probably go through slowly through some, like, again, I want to see all the stuff at Avengers Con and I want to take a look at that shot again too. Um and see how uh, see how that kind of works. All right, thanks for that, man. All right, uh, was that Suthius? Yes, that was Suthius. Uh, we go to uh, Tripmac, who writes. Uh, Never thought I'd say I enjoyed Miss Marvel more than Obi Wan, but by God, here we are. I'm actually looking forward to Miss Marvel more now. Yeah, me me too. I mean, if you had told me a few weeks ago that we would have the boys, Stranger Things, Miss Marvel, and Obi Wan on. And Obi-Wan would be my least favorite? I would have thought you were crazy. But I'm definitely liking the boys more. I'm definitely liking Stranger Things more. And I'm absolutely liking Ms. Marvel more. And I'm, I would I would have been shocked if you had told me that a few weeks ago. I would have been absolutely shocked if you told me that. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, do, 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 okay, Liverpool writes, I cried and laughed so hard, therapeutic. I agree. Like, I was laughing my guts out in the first few minutes. I... I the fact that they have such great emotional hooks, um, relatable characters, shared experiences, and it's just freaking hilarious. I mean, it's just a it's just a trifecta there, Liverpool. Right. Bobby Jackson writes, that Zoe girl was kind of nice, but then hit Kamala in the face uh, with a ball. I wonder if she if she'll have a Flash Thompson relationship, bullies Kamala, but hero worships Ms. Marvel uh, with Kamala. Well, OK, yes, but correct me if I'm wrong. Were they not playing dodgeball at the time? <laughs> so isn't hitting the other person with the ball kind of an okay thing to do? Huh? Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I think there's more to this character than we think. And I think we're going to get to visit them a little bit more, Bobby. But I'm not going to hold her hitting Kamala with a ball when they were playing dodgeball. I'm not going to hold that against her quite here. I'm not going to quite hold that against her yet. But we'll see where that goes, Bobby. All right, next up. Connor Cunningham writes, I love this episode. My favorite first episode of a Disney plus series. Did you see the Scott Lang podcast? Can't wait to hear it. I did. Uh, a number of people have already mentioned it and I'm with, I want to hear that podcast. I hope they do a fake two episode run of the Scott Lang podcast. Go get Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's cool. I'm sure he'd do it. And I want to see Kamala Khan's, what is it called? Baby sloth, baby sloth. 
Is that your YouTube channel? Give us a few episodes of the Baby Sloth YouTube channel. I see both of them. Um, okay, next up, we've got, was that Connor? That was Connor. Empire Fan 1980 writes, you should have Anne as a guest before the end. I, listen, Anne is very busy. Um, she, uh, I can't say certain things, but Anne is very, very busy. I will have like when Anne has the time that she can come in and do something like that. I'm sure she would. Cause she loved this show. She absolutely loved it. All right. Next up. Uh, we got Sam Fisher who writes, uh, baby sloth productions is a real YouTube channel is 131 subs, but is it like the Kamala Khan baby sloth productions or is it just something that happens to be called i'm gonna have to go and check it out now sam all right jack master nord writes one episode in and for me this is the best mcu show ever plus a post-credit scene in the first episode yeah right like i mean we mentioned there's a post-credit scene but yeah this is the first time in an mcu disney plus show that they actually had a post-credit scene right in the first episode which is great i almost missed it because i expected there not to be one I expected there wouldn't be one. So I nearly missed it. So I love, I hope that becomes a trend. I just like getting these little, these little, little extra tastes that they put in the things there. All right. Like for me, WandaVision is still the best thing MCU has done on, on Disney plus, but who knows? Maybe the rest of the series will change my mind. All right. John Argot Rodriguez writes, Iman Vellani was wonderful. I loved her performance and her chemistry with Bruno played by Matt Lintz, who I know from The Walking Dead was adorable. So you're the second person to point out who's in The Walking Dead. I had no idea. I didn't recognize this dude at all, but you're right. If I had seen these two actors standing side by side, like what's his name, Matt Lintz and Iman Vellani standing side by side, I would not have guessed that they would have on-screen chemistry. Never would have guessed it. But they have such adorable on-screen, wholesome even, adorable Wholesome on-screen chemistry, dude. All right, Kyle Fisher writes, uh, Agent Cleary and Contessa Valentina equals the new Nick Fury. It'll be it. Like, what if they start bringing those characters in too? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. All right, Dr. Nova writes, is this the perfect adaptation? No matter the changes you have to capture to the soul of the material, uh, this is the perfect adaptation. Yeah, again, look, I am not nearly as well versed in the Ms. Marvel comics as my wife is. Like Anne knows the Ms. Marvel comics inside out and backwards. But she was mentioning, yeah, it's different. It's different. But here's the thing. Name one great comic book movie that isn't different from the comic books. Civil War is completely different from the comic book Civil War. Days of Future Past, which is still a top 10 greatest comic book film of all time. Nothing like Days of Future Past in the comics. Ultron thing was completely different from the Ultron story in the comic books. I mean, they all are. And so if they have done adaptation here again, I'm not nearly as well versus Miss Marvel as Anne is. But if they did do a lot of adaptation, who cares? The only thing that matters is, does the show end up being a great show? And so far, so far, it's a great show. All right, Pablo Roldan uh, Benilia just sends in a $50 super chat without even sending in a question, just sends in a $50 super chat just to be supportive. Thank you, Pablo. I appreciate that very much, man. And thanks for supporting our channel on that level, man. All right, and then finally, our final question here of the day. Uh, Roland John Delante writes in, in the first episode, when Kamala goes to the Avengers Con, there is no image of Spider-Man. Really? Uh, even in the story animation of Kamala, but people know Spider-Man uh, is in uh, Avenger. You probably meant is an Avenger. Um, again, it's like the vision thing, Roland. I'm going to have to go back 
And I'm going to have to like frame by frame go through Avenger Con and everything and see who is and is not there. I'll have to go through there and, and check that out because I didn't even think about that. But if there's no Spider-Man, that would be interesting. Because remember, you don't say, oh, because of Spider-Man No Way Home, the uh, the spell that was cast, it uh, removed Spider-Man from everything. No, it didn't. Everybody still knew Spider-Man, just nobody knew Spider-Man was Peter Parker. And Peter Parker was Spider-Man. But everybody still knew Spider-Man, right? So if that would be very odd, especially especially since Spider-Man is a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? You'd... You'd think he would be in there. So I'm going to have to go through there and see if I can check that out. I don't know if any of you guys uh, saw that. Uh, somebody saying Spider-Man isn't an Avenger. Spider-Man is an Avenger. Remember, Tony Stark said that you're an Avenger. There you go. And he was there at the final battle to save Earth. So, hey, guess what? Drax wasn't an Avenger either. But Drax the Destroyer. There was cosplay of Drax the Destroyer there, right? So it would be very interesting if we find out that uh, Spider-Man isn't there at all. That's interesting. All right, guys. That'll do it for our first episode. And by the way, Jengar sends in just a, a, a super chat um, or a super badge there. Thank you so much for that, Jengar. Uh, that'll do it for our first episode of our Ms. Marvel after show. Uh, it's off to a great start. I had such a good time watching this show. So much fun. Again, it's the first time in a year and a half, I think personally for myself, and I'm only speaking for myself, that I feel like Marvel put out something great on Disney+. Plus. They put out some good stuff, but I, I just don't feel like they put out anything great since WandaVision, and this did it. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with this. I hope you guys felt the same way, and if not, oh, whatever, it's all good. Guys, thank you so much for being here and spending part of your evening with me. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because it gave, gave us great fun things to talk about and great theories to think about as well. But number two, you supported our channel while you did it, and all of us involved with the John Camp YouTube channel, Thank you guys for making it possible for us to do what we do. All right, guys, don't forget the John Campion Show returns tomorrow. I hope you guys will come back and join us for that. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.